Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. To hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley... You're listening to the award-winning Sounds of Blackness and their new song, Juneteenth Celebration. Today is June 19th, or Juneteenth. Tomorrow, the official Juneteenth federal holiday will kick off with a special slate of events marking the day when enslaved people in Texas found out they were free, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. The recent racial reckoning sparked a renewed interest in Juneteenth. Nearly every state in the country recognizes the holiday, and this year many employers gave staffers the day off. But there is alarm that its broader embrace has sparked the worst kind of exploitative marketing and promotion. Local observances, however, are lifting up the meaning of Juneteenth and connecting the historic event to today's racial issues. Later in the show, Rock's Film Returns, New England's biggest film fest to celebrate works by, for, and about people of color, is back. The 24th annual event kicks off next week. But first, joining me now, three local Juneteenth celebrants, Kahina Van Dyke, owner of Narragansett House Bed and Breakfast and creator of the Martha's Vineyard Jubilee Observance of Juneteenth. Welcome, Kahina. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. Also with me, Skip Finley, author and writer and one of the organizers of the Martha's Vineyard Jubilee. He's also the director of sales and marketing for the Vineyard Gazette Media Group. Hi, Skip. Howdy. How we doing? We're great. And Nicole McLean, president of the North Shore Juneteenth Association. Thanks for joining us, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted to have all three of you. I'm going to start quite simply before we get into the specifics of what um, you all are each involved in in marking the observance of Juneteenth this year. So, Kahina, first of all, when did you learn about Juneteenth? I think I might have heard it mentioned briefly in high school, but it was not part of our family traditions. Um, I'm, I, I grew up in New England and upstate New York, and it just wasn't a part of our kind of, you know, uh, family traditions. However, as I started understanding the significance of it, um, it always was in the back of my mind, why aren't we hearing more about this? And why isn't this a celebration of freedom for everyone? And that's been with me, I would say, for, you know, a couple of decades that it's just been in the back of my mind. So, um, yeah, but that's that, that awakening I think a lot of people are going through. Okay. Same question to you, Skip. When did you learn about Juneteenth? When Kahina told me about it, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm almost ashamed, you know, being an otherwise educated, well-read human. Um, hadn't really focused on it, hadn't heard a lot about it, did not know anything. And frankly, I'm just now learning more. And it's astounding. And a wonderful opportunity to tell 
pretty much a, a good story instead of the um, the bad story of slavery. Okay. Nicole McLean, when did you learn about Juneteenth? I actually grew up celebrating it. I'm going to Boston, um, Franklin Field, and celebrating Juneteenth. But I like that all of the panelists run the gamut of finding out later, not knowing, and knowing. It's mm. awesome. Hmm. Very good. So when you say, so it's been years for you then, you'd say like a decade of you more and more of celebrating? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Oh, very good. Well, here's the thing that I think uh, when people hear the history, it's hard for them to you know get their mind processed around the fact that Abraham Lincoln, the president, issued the Emancipation Proclamation. He declared that people who were enslaved are, you know, they're henceforth free. That's the end of it. And yet that just didn't happen in certain places. This is a clip that helps to understand this. It's from USA Today, and they made it after President Biden made Juneteenth a federal holiday last year. June 19th, commonly known as Juneteenth and formerly known as Emancipation Day or Jubilee Day, marks the day that federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865, taking control of the state and freeing all enslaved people. The Emancipation Proclamation was issued on January 1st, 1863, which was said to be the day all enslaved Africans and Confederate states were to be set free. In reality, it didn't end completely. In fact, there were still enslaved people in states like Kentucky and Delaware, as well as in Texas, where there wasn't much military presence, so slavery continued. It wasn't until troops arrived in Galveston on June 19, 1865, that 250,000 people were freed. Juneteenth reached new heights in 1872, when a group of black ministers and businessmen established Emancipation Park in Houston, Texas. So... Juneteenth was originally a very local observance around, you know, Galveston. Then it went to statewide Texas, and then it started spreading out so that uh, people like Nicole and even myself, I learned about it in high school, and I had relatives in Texas, though, so that might have been a cheat because they were always talking about it. And, um, you know, like other people around the country were celebrating it as well. But it was really, um, I think, in terms of national interest, after the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and that moment of of racial reckoning that drew new attention to it. Now, Kahina, were you sensitive to that as you began to think about having the kind of large-scale uh, Juneteenth celebration that you're uh, put together for this year? Was that what drove you to do that? Or was just, I'm just going to do this because I think, you know, you already in process, in other words, before that was an issue. Yeah, well, I think the listen, the reckoning that happened, I think a lot of us just got very aware of how much work we had to do. Um, And so what for me, it really was, I tried to hold on to this moment of, you know, 1776 was independence, but freedom for Americans came um, with the Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation, and actually ultimately in practicality, Juneteenth. So the moment of freedom with all of the reckoning we were doing, it was like, what we need to celebrate the moment that those enslaved people realized that their children and their grandchildren and us would be free and really anchoring on that. And so I actually did something on my porch last year where Skip is laughing because I'm like, Skip, I'm going to have a Juneteenth celebration. He's like, really? Like, you know, everybody's kind of like, we don't really do that here. And I was like, the moment is now. And so we started on the porch. And I have to tell you, it was a multiracial gathering. It was singing. It was crying. It was laughing. It was open mic. It was telling stories. And what that moment made me realize on the porch of the Narragansett House, where literally young and old, white, black, brown, came up to me just hugging me of how much healing we actually needed and how much we as Americans needed something to celebrate that connected us. So that's what spurred the, after that 
porch event that we had last year, it was so clear that we needed to go bigger. And I'm so grateful because now we're having something at the Tabernacle this whole weekend. It's 1,400 seats. Um, we've have hundreds of people registering. And most of the people who have registered, quite frankly, we have a little survey, have never celebrated Juneteenth before. So we're actually defining what a celebration of freedom and joy is for all Americans and what that looks like. So since you didn't know about what's informally known as Black Independence Day, uh, Skip, you were a part of the Narragansett Ports um, situation. And and how did you respond? Just a casual visitor. You know, I mean, you know, Kahane has made a huge, huge impact in our community. So we pay attention. But as a writer, I've written a couple of books, you know, one about, you know, his uh, Whaling Captains of Color, America's First Enterprise. The story is really a sucky one. You know, the fact that, you know, people were enslaved, you know, you go back to the 1619 Project, you know, thanks to the Colana Jones, you know, what, 399,000 people were, you know, essentially stolen in prison um, and grown to 3.9 million people who were released at the end of the Civil War. That's not a great story, even for somebody in the story business. So I think about the irony, you know, of 1619 when people, when we were brought here to the day 619, you know, that we were free. Absolutely, this is something that should be celebrated, should be talked about. But I like the approach of telling some good stories, you know, and the stories of people who escaped from that slavery. And when you live on an island like Martha's Vineyard, you know, you know, you can track the people because differently from the Underground Railroad, you had to get here by sea-based means. So we've done a little bit of homework. We've identified, oh, close to a dozen people we hadn't heard about before who, in fact, did escape slavery by coming here to Martha's Vineyard. That's also true of Nantucket, you know, and several other places because, you know, Canada wasn't the only place we ran away to. The point is how bad this industry, how bad this industry was. And yes, I'm calling it industry because there's nothing human or humane about it. No, that is absolutely true. Just to underscore two things that you said. First of all, a lot of people are just now coming to grips with the fact that there were enslaved people working in Massachusetts and in the surrounding area. Massachusetts was an odd state because at one time people were property and were citizens of a sort. I'm using that word loosely. So a lot of stuff happened here. People sued for their freedom. Enslaved people sued for their freedom, for example. We've done that story. Uh, There were enslaved people uh, working and uh, participating during uh, Lexington, Massachusetts, when we celebrate the liberation from the British, but they were there. And most recently, in 2020, we did a piece about Esther, a Native American, I think part African-American woman, escaping to Edgartown as part of the Underground Railroad. So in fact, Skip, that is correct. There were enslaved people here and people made their way here to to be free, to, to get away from it. So it was, it's kind of a two things happening at once in Massachusetts. We have a rich history in this way. And therefore, in a lot of ways, this area is a richer place to have celebrations and commemorations of Juneteenth because of that history. So, Nicole, president of the North Shore Juneteenth Association, where you have been celebrating Juneteenth for some time since 2017, well, it started off in Lynn. So tell me about that. What precipitated that and then became the larger observance that it is today that you are a part of? 
it began with just wanting to have a celebration closer to my community that I live in and um, not having to make that commute to Boston. So I wanted to see it happen closer to Lent. It turns out that there was another organization that had started the observance of Juneteenth a little bit before I did, but it died down and um, I never really got to celebrate with them. So unbeknownst to me, there there was something had been going on before in the Lynn area, but um, because I didn't know about it, I went ahead and got a group of people together and started to plan for our first Juneteenth celebration in Lynn. And as that planning was happening, my child was hazed by the local police. And that really broadened the scope of the celebration for me to where it started to encompass sharing positive images of Black American culture with the community as well, just to educate the broader community about Black Americans, who we are, what we represent, and what we've contributed to the country. So um, Juneteenth became about sharing those contributions and also sharing culture and celebrating freedom of Black Americans. Uh, We now raise the flag in various communities on the North Shore. We have 11 flag raisins this year, and we're also partnering with Cape Ann Museum and Lynn Museum this year. Cape Ann Museum in Gloucester is having a Juneteenth celebration in collaboration with us, and as is the um, Lynn Museum in Lynn having a, a Juneteenth celebration in collaboration with us as well. So a couple things I want to pick up. You're referencing something that Skip said about the whole positive imagery part of the Juneteenth celebration and understanding what Black Independence Day really meant broader than the day itself. That's um, how you're celebrating and commemorating in Lynn. And with a specific intent of pushing back against many of the issues that were raised during the racial reckoning with regard to what was happening to your son and other young Black men in the community. But there is also, you know, just an educational piece of this because people didn't know this history, period. But what about what you understand about the depth of knowledge about Juneteenth in your area? Are most people attending your events knowledgeable about it or is this a first their first timers as well? Um, Since 2017, we've had consistently had people come and say they've never heard of the, the this holiday before. So it's something that a lot of people are just now becoming aware of, Black Americans as well. Like a lot of Black Americans, we don't know our, uh, our history because of, you know, the lack of education in our communities for so long, you know, the our inability to access education. So also Black Americans and all, all Americans alike are just now really understanding what this holiday is about. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's so deep, you know, you know that, that expression, uh, African-American, for example, I often hear people say African-American slaves. There is no such thing as an African-American slave, okay? Until the 1965 Voting Rights Act, we technically weren't really Americans because we couldn't vote, you know? So we don't wanna, you know, throw a light of promotion, you know, on slavery. You know, for example, I wrote a piece in, um, in this month's Cape Cod and the Island Magazine about the occasion. Uh, James DeWolf, who wound up being the, um, the uh, excuse me, senator from Rhode Island and wound up being the richest, second richest man in America in 1937, was once aboard a ship of slaves and decided to throw a sick woman into the water. He tied her to a chair, blindfolded and gagged her so the rest of the slaves wouldn't hear what was going on and had his crewmen throw her over the water, overboard where she drowned. At the end of it, when he was finally taken to court, his only response, you know, was that he missed a good chair. So these these are the stories, you know, we need and our children need to hear. 
there's no need pointing fingers and attributing blame. But you need to hear that the good thing about Juneteenth was the bad thing about this country that we live in now taking us into slavery. Well, that's a little bit of the sentiment from the Johnsons. Those would be the fictional Johnsons from the ABC television series Blackish. Here's a clip. People are never going to celebrate something they barely even want to admit happened. Look, I get that. But at least can we have one day where the country acknowledged it? It would feel like, I don't know, an apology. Wow. Can you imagine that? Oh, hell no. Instead of waiting for an apology, why don't we just do something? I mean, if we want to honor the end of slavery, then we should celebrate Juneteenth. Wait, that's what Juneteenth is? We don't celebrate the end of slavery, but you wake us up early on Cyber Monday? (laughs) You are a bad black person. Yeah. You know what? Not anymore. From now on, we will be black out loud. Our whole family will celebrate Juneteenth. So that's uh, from the ABC television series Blackish. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. My guests are Kahina Van Dyke and Skip Finley of the 2022 Martha's Vineyard Juneteenth Observance and Nicole McLean of the North Shore Juneteenth Association, whose community observance of Juneteenth started in 2017. We are discussing this year's federal holiday and the significance and evolution of the Juneteenth holiday. Nicole, I want to go back to you for a second because what you all do in Lynn is the way they observe in Texas, but a lot of people don't know about it, and that is you raise the Juneteenth flag. I don't think a lot of folks know there was a Juneteenth flag. So tell us about it, what it looks like, and what's it symbolic of? Yep, The Juneteenth flag is red, white, and blue, and that symbolizes that uh, our Black um, our black ancestors and current um, Black Americans are also American. It has a star in the middle of it that harkens back to Texas where everything started. There's a burst around that star that represents a new beginning, like it's a Nova sort of, and it it represents a new beginning and new hope. And there's a horizontal line that sort of is like a horizon. That's what it symbolizes. And it depicts a new horizon, a new, also a new beginning for black Americans. So um, that's basically the flag itself. Now, what's interesting about it is the colors, as as I've said, are red, white, and blue. It was created by activist Ben Haith in 1977. He's founder of the National Juneteenth Celebration with the help of, guess what, people? Boston-based illustrator Lisa Gianna Graff. So that was pretty interesting. People may see the red, black, and green colors also associated with Juneteenth. Some of that has been adapted because of Pan-African colors. You'll see the official flag, and then sometimes you'll see the other colors, but uh, both are emblematic of the Juneteenth celebrations. All right, let's talk about connectiveness to today and why it matters, Kahina. It's nice to have the kind of uh, acknowledgement and commemoration, and I guess I should say that there also is a little bit of a tension between commemoration and celebration. People feel like, well, we were talking about enslaved people. Should we be celebrating? Maybe it should be a very solemn commemoration. But the Juneteenth event has always encompassed both. Yes. Talk about that, if you would. Yeah, I actually wanted to make sure that we could do both. Commemorate, remember, um, celebrate, because this is about freedom, and be in our joy. And I think 
you know, people, I've heard young people say to me, you know, being in my, my joy is revolutionary. The way the program starts is Friday evening, there's a screening with, you know, the, a film about Juneteenth, Jubilee and the 13th Amendment, right? That's Friday evening. And then Saturday, we have this whole Jubilee Fest. We are raising the flag, just to let you know. But we start the program with a local history, really about, you know, Martha's Vineyard, Oak Bluffs, New England. And the fact that on this stage, Frederick Douglass spoke, what does the 4th of July mean to the Negro? He spoke on the stage of the Tabernacle and we're going to be on that stage. We then go to Nicole Hannah-Jones, 1619 Project, and talk to her about all the work she's doing in remembering and and truth-telling. And then we move that bridge between the past. Uh, Lynn Whitfield is doing a set of poetry, and that poetry is all centered around our joy and our genius um, and everything, all of the contributions that the African-Americans have given across, you know, whether it's culinary, whether it's music, whether it's literature, and then moving into to music. We have three hours and three different performances, Grammy-nominated musicians, all just celebrating through music, through sound, through movement. That's the fun kind of piece of it. But I think all of it is about uplifting while remembering. We have to know what our roots are of where we came in order to really have a clear North Star and a vision of, of where we're going. And then actually on the day, on the Sunday, we're actually doing a, a dedication on the Martha's Vineyard African American Heritage Trail of a, a new site that was in the Green Book that was a safe haven for African-American travelers in the in the you know 50s and 60s. And so for us, it's the whole, the whole weekend and the whole celebration moves seamlessly through commemoration, remembrance, but really rooted in joy, celebration of African-Americans, of Black contributions to culture. And by the way, it's to include everyone because here's the thing. If we want a different horizon for America in the future, we need to have a more inclusive movement forward about this. And the polarization that many of us you know, see and are disturbed by, this is our antidote to some of that and, and focusing on the joy and the humanity and the connectivity. The same question to you, Nicole. You've talked about what's your activities and spend a little bit more time telling us about connecting it to today and, and why it matters so much that that connection is made. Well, when General Gordon Granger rode into Galveston, Texas, he recited General Order Number 3. And that order really does speak to the problems that, that we face today, because that order ends with wording that says, the freedmen are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military post and they will not be supported in idleness. And I like to bring up General Order Number Three when we're um, doing flag raisings or when we're, when we're celebrating Juneteenth because those last sentences really do speak to how Black Americans were never supported in their freedom. And it really speaks to the reason why we face so much hardship even today with, um, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, with no knock warrants and all this around police reform and just daily life, really. And we also have poetry. We have soul food. Back when the first Juneteenth celebrations were happening, people would dress up and really try to look nice and they would play games and 
they would eat something red, um, maybe red velvet cake or drink something like strawberry soda or a hibiscus tea. So um, we try to incorporate that present day as well. We also try to support locally owned businesses by allowing vendors to come, um, black owned businesses to come and sell their items during the, the event. So um, yeah, those are some of the ways that we try to pair the past with the present in Lynn. I want to pick up what you said about everything wasn't easy the minute they got order number three from um, Major General Gordon Granger on that day. This is Annette Gordon-Reed. She's the author of the book On Juneteenth, appearing on GBH's Basic Black program last year and talking about why we need to remember that the enslaved people of Texas who got the news were not automatically safe. Everything hadn't been solved during that time period because as soon as they began to celebrate, and they did celebrate, they were the subject of violence. There are instances where people who were celebrated were whipped uh, by whites who didn't want them to, you know, to celebrate. Because you know, Granger's order, as, as she said, is, is, as you mentioned, is sort of problematic in some ways. But one thing it does that really set people off is that he talks about existing in a state of absolute equality. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was not, I mean, it would have been one thing if he had said, and now slavery's over and go on your merry way. But that really, it, I think, incensed uh, enslavers and whites who were not enslavers, people who were part of the racial hierarchy. So, Nicole, that that underscores what you were saying about making it clear that, you know, they didn't have it easy and we still don't. Now, I also want to point out that you mentioned the food. It's also a space where this year, it seems to me for the first time, there's been some exploitative attempts by commercial interests to sort of take Juneteenth and make it something tacky. So Walmart, <laughs> Walmart, what do y'all think about Walmart's Juneteenth ice cream? I'm personally incensed. Um, they've now apologized for doing it. And there's plenty of other things, like I was mentioning the a Juneteenth celebration in Arkansas had a soul food contest for Juneteenth, and all of the judges were white. So here we are, people. You know, some people are not getting it. <laughs> well, I actually would like, I actually had this feeling that if we didn't define what Juneteenth meant, it would just be defined by like Walmart and exactly what you just said. I think that's why it's important for these local celebrations where it really is the community. It really is people, you know, celebrating what it means to us. And food is an important part of it, right? And you mentioned hibiscus tea, I think, Nicole. But, you know, we have a chef, a restaurateur who is providing food throughout because, you know, part of our celebration is food and part of our celebration is music and part of our celebration is dressing up um, because, you know, this is important. So I think it's really important that local communities do have organized their their events. And it's going to be productized because this is, you know, capitalism. But I think we have to really make sure, hold anchor into the meaning, the real meaning of it and what it means to us as African-Americans, but what it means to us as Americans um, and, and have this as a moment of redefinition. Right. But it's really important, uh, uh, Skip, uh, to talk about the agency that there were 250,000, if we haven't mentioned that number, in Texas on the day of Juneteenth. And the agency that they took to sort of get themselves to the next level of life as free people and then to have enough wherewithal to pull together a place to commemorate their Independence Day is pretty amazing. Well, I think it goes back to that, that old African expression, until the lions have historians 
tales of the hunt will always glorify the hunter. Mm-hmm. So in finding ways to tell our stories, we can talk about the gloom and doom, or we can talk about the excitement and the freedom, or we can talk about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So for example, on, on, on that weekend, um, <clears throat> you know, we are hosting at the Egertown Yacht Club a um, Jubilee Juneteenth brunch. You know, extraordinarily enough, um, the Egertown Yacht Club, you know, has not been the place known for its diversity, shall I say, but they will probably <laughs> be announcing their first Black member shortly. We have two other educational programs, one at the Marsden Museum, which in all candor, the way I've kind of looked at this is if there's, if there's money involved, people become involved. So all of a sudden, you know, I mean, if we stand back and look at the 50,000 foot level, we've got a brand new three day weekend holiday. And here on the island of Martha's Vineyard where our entire economy is tourism based, after Memorial Day, you don't see folks here again until, until July 4th weekend. You know, so you just about close. Well, now I understand from the local chamber of commerce, you cannot get a hotel room or a place to stay on this island for the entire Juneteenth weekend. Absolutely not. It's all sold out, Skip. You're so right. Yeah. All right. So there's a, there's a lot of recipes for great food. You know, I'm, I'm astounded and excited at a gospel brunch. We're going to have red velvet cupcakes, you know, and our most famous ship, the Shenandoah, will be docked outside of the Yacht Club at the time. Okay. Nicole, I want to ask you if you're eating Walmart's ice cream. I think they take it off the market. But I mean, what do you think? I'm not surprised about Walmart's ice cream, actually. I mean, I feel like, you know, once once people realize they can make money off of something, they're going to try to make money off of something. I mean, I, that, that's how I feel with the with the Walmart um, situation. Would I purchase the ice cream? Absolutely not. Would I promote it? Absolutely not. I will point out why it's not OK and why we shouldn't be, um, you know, consuming or purchasing um, items such as that that are not based in the reality of what Juneteenth is, are not made or benefiting Black Americans in any way, and are just really a money grab. So, I mean, I I would definitely point that out. And I did point that out on my social media um, platforms. So, you know, when when you see things like that, you honestly know it's about money immediately. It's not Mm -hmm. about, Mm -hmm. you know, the the history. It's not about the people that are affected by it. It's really just about, you know, trying to, you know, make some money. And it's real surface. When I saw the ad, when I saw all the outrage, I was happy to see that there was so much outrage, though, and that, you know, Black Americans really stood up and were like, you know, this is not okay. And they they did it to the point where it's not on the market and yes. Walmart pulled it. Right. So I think that that was really great. But it's going to be celebrations like Juneteenth that change the paradigm, that change the argument, you know, so that the day that we look forward to is when we can become Americans and not Black Americans. Got it. Um, I, I just want to raise one, um, raise up one part of your celebration, Nicole, on the North Shore, and you mentioned it, and that is the exhibit at the uh, Cape Ann Museum with Doris Elizabeth Prudy, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She's a black quilter who uh, lived in Gloucester for nearly 50 years, and she and her sister, Carolyn Lewis, were founding members of the Ebony Quilters of Queens, New York. So she's quite well known for her artistry, and that exhibit continues well past the Juneteenth celebration itself. So just wanted to point out that in terms of uh, what you're doing to raise up positive images, that'll be there for people who are interested for some time. 
Right. And it's actually going on right now. It started already. So, mm-hmm. so there that you go. exhibit is already installed. Yeah. All right. So you get the last word, Nicole. Why does this matter in these times to make sure that uh, the Juneteenth uh, holiday is commemorated and celebrated? Well, Juneteenth is deserves to be commemorated and celebrated by all Americans because it harkens back to our history. It educates It actually educates not only Black Americans, but all Americans, and all Americans are very much welcome to come to these celebrations and learn and be be educated about this holiday and what it represents in Black American culture. It also speaks to the struggles and the obstacles that Black Americans overcome, have, have overcome and continue to overcome. So that's another thing that these celebrations are always going to encompass is that, you know, we come mighty, mighty far, but we still have long to go, but you're going to learn not only about our struggles, but about our triumphs. All right. I want to thank all of you for talking with me. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. Kahina Van Dyke is owner of Narragansett House Bed and Breakfast and creator of the Martha's Vineyard Jubilee Observance on Juneteenth. Skip Finley is an author, writer, and organizer of Martha's Vineyard Juneteenth Observance. And Nicole McLean is the president of the North Shore Juneteenth Association. Coming up, movie lovers rejoice. Next week marks the start of the annual Roxbury International Film Festival. And there's something for everybody, like the biopic, Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story, the documentary, One Pint at a Time, about Black-owned breweries, or the short animation, Gloosecap and Nugami, based on a Native American creation story. The festival will feature 80 screenings plus panels and Q&As, all celebrating the stories about people of color and the skilled storytelling of filmmakers of color. That's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley.